Father, we thank the Lord tonight for his goodness and we thank the Lord for his loving kindness. Amen. Tonight we want to talk to you dealing with faith and endurance. Faith and endurance. James, the first chapter of James. Starting at the second and third verse. And it reads in your hearing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And my thought tonight would be faith and endurance. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. Speak to our hearts and our minds as we go into your word. Give us ears to hear and a mind to obtain what the Spirit says to the church. Anoint these lips of clay. We thank you and forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. James doesn't say if trouble comes your way, but when it does. He assures us that we will have trouble and that it is possible to profit from them. The point is not to pretend to be happy when we face pain, but to have a positive outlook, considering it an opportunity for great joy. Because of what trouble troubles can produce in our life, James tells us to turn our hardships into times of learning. Tough times can teach us perseverance. Tough times can teach us. And have you noticed the things that you have already been through? You learned something from them. Uh, you learned that you're not going to follow that yellow brick road no more. Amen, somebody. Although it may look good, it's a cliche saying, but I'm not going to follow that again. Also, he says, but let patience have her perfect work, her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire warning. That's powerful by itself. That ye let patient have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing at all. We can't really know the depths of our character until we see how we 
react under pressure. It is easy to be kind to others when everything is going well. But can we still be kind when others are treating us unfairly? God wants to make us mature and complete in him. Not to keep us from all pain. Instead of complaining about our struggles, we should see them as opportunities for growth. Amen, somebody. Thank God for promising to be with you in rough times. And some of you have realized that he is there. Ask him to help you solve your problems or to give you the strength to endure them. Then be patient. God will not leave you alone with your problems. Thank you, Jesus. He will stay close and help you to grow. Hmm. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. By wisdom, James is talking not only about knowledge, but about the ability to make wise decisions in difficult circumstances. Whenever we need wisdom, we can pray to God and he will generously supply what we need. Amen, somebody. Believers don't have to group around in the day hoping to stumble upon answers. We can ask for God's wisdom to guide our choices. In other words, that's that relationship that we have with him, that we can talk to him at any time. The wisdom that we need has three distinct characteristics. One, it is practical. The wisdom from God relates to life. Even during the most trying times of our life. It is not a wisdom isolated from suffering and trials. This wisdom is the tool by which trials are overcome. An intelligent person may have profound ideas, but a wise person puts profound ideas into action. Intelligence will allow someone to describe several reasons why the car broke down. Mm -hmm. 
the wise person chooses the most likely reason and proceeds to take action. Two, it is divine. God's wisdom goes beyond common sense. <laughs> common sense does not lead us to choose joy. I'll say that again. Common sense does not lead us to joy in the middle of trials. Though this wisdom begins with respect for God and leads to living by God's direction and results in the ability to tell right from wrong. Three, it is Christ-like. Asking for wisdom, ultimately, asking to be like Christ. That's why a lot of you have so much hard times because you're asking for wisdom, which is to be like Christ, and the devil fights you on every hand. Opportunities that look like it's coming your way, he blocks them, puts them on a delay. Oh, yes, he do. But you're not denied. So the Bible identifies Christ as the wisdom of God. Six verse. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. What are we talking about? Faith and endurance. Not Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We must believe not only in the existence of God, but also in his loving care. He really cares for us. This includes relying on God and expecting that he will hear and answer when we pray. Yeah. Knowing that whatever happens, what's going on, that God is going to hear us when we pray. And we have to keep in mind that God don't jump or skip or hop or move when we want him to. No, he's a God of sovereignty. God does what he want to, when he want to, as long as he want to, because he is God. Amen, somebody. So, we must put away our critical attitude when we come to him. Because we had some of us some critical attitudes when we go to God because we felt that God didn't move and did what we want him to do when we wanted him to do it. So we have a critical attitude. And you say, no, I, 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 I don't, it's not critical. It's just a little tootie stop line. It's a critical attitude. Because you confess that he's your personal savior, he's your healer, he's your deliverer, he does what I need him to do, but why do you have a critical attitude when you go to God? You have to respect who he is. 
know who he is. And when you call on him, believe exactly what his name is. So, God does not grant every thoughtless or selfish request. I'll say that again. God does not grant every thoughtless or selfish request. We must have confidence that God will align our desires with his purpose. It's all about him, not us. It's all about him. We are in business with God. And since we are in business with God, we work with him and for him. He's the chief. Whatever he say is what we do. We might not like it, but it's what he said. A person will, I'm sorry, a person with divided loyalty, I'm talking about divided loyalty, is not completely convinced that God's way is best. They got some doubt in there. He treats God's word like any human advice and retains the option to disobey. And that's what's wrong with the church. They cold-blooded disobey God. They have no love for him. They cared nothing for him, but he yet loved them. If your faith is new, weak, or struggling, remember that you can trust God. Then be loyal by committing yourself wholeheartedly to God. Wholeheartedly to God. Get him all. You listen. You're gonna find out you since you've been walking with God, you say, I didn't lost this, I didn't lost that, I didn't lost friends. Were they really friends? Because a lot everything we have down here is temple. Right. Only thing you got that's that, that, that's what really in tune with God is your soul. Amen. Seven says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Wherever he go, he don't know if he want to salute or sit down. He's unstable is double minded if you have ever seen the constant rolling of a huge wave at sea you know how restless they are and subject to the forces of wind gravity and the tide Divided loyalty leaves a person as unsettled as the restless waves. If you want to stop being tossed about, rely on God to show you what is best for you. 
a lot of times we want best for others, but you gotta look out best for you so you can be better. Ask him for wisdom and trust that he will give it to you if you ask him. Then your decisions will be sure and they will be solid. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. But the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Mm -hmm. Because of the temple things that he made his God. Mm -hmm. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withers the grass, and the flowers thereof faileth. And the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. You can't take your money to glory. And you sure can't spend it in hell. Hello, somebody. Amen. It's just hot, too hot to spend anything. Amen. Uh, your gold and silver means nothing because heaven is full of it. Can I get a witness, somebody? Amen. So, the poor should be glad that riches mean nothing to God. Otherwise, these people would be considered unworthy. The rich you should be glad that money means nothing to God because money is easily lost. And that is true. You could be blessed today and tomorrow you got holes in your pocket. And you wonder why people following you. They picking up what you losing. You let people you follow me for. They picking up what you losing. You don't even realize it. So, even with your blessing that God gives you, how are you really operating? Mm -hmm. You know, God already has the, that, that, that financial order set up for, for the church. But the church, it's amazing that you can come to God and be standing. Mm -hmm. That's not a saint. That's an ain't. Mm -hmm. Ain't going to do nothing. And ain't don't believe nothing. Don't care about nothing. But they know where the power is, and the power is in God. You know, every time I think about Moses was glancing and looking up at the mountain, and he saw the bush that was burning, and his curiosity really was taking over him, and he said, I've got to go see. And the closer he got, he sees a bush burning, but it's not consumed. What kind of fire is this that burns the bush, but the bush is not consumed? 
this is some supernatural stuff that's happening up on this mountain. It got my attention way down here. I'm up here. And when he gets there, he looks. And God calls out to him, Moses. And Moses said, hey, Lord. He said, take them shoes off, boy. You're on the holy ground. I guess Moses in his little, in his common sense say, what? <laughs> I done climbed all the way up here. Now that I take my shoes off, he said, take them off because you're on the holy ground. And when Moses took his shoes off, if he had corns, they were gone. If he had bunnies, they was gone. If he had fat feet, they was gone. All the swelling was gone. Because if something happens to you when you're in the presence of God, sickness and afflictions and things, they, they can't they, they can't they can't they can't overtake you because you in his presence and God looked at him and he looked at God, looked at the bush. And the scripture says, God told him, He said, My people cry out. And Moses he looking around, he hear nobody, <laughs> but God hears him, and God allow him to hear the people calling. Well, what can I do? He said, you're going to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he blessed him. And if he, when you really read it, look at it, he couldn't stand it. He had to bow out, because he was in the presence of the Almighty. And when he put his sandals back on, his feet was made for walking. <laughs> That's where happy feet come in, because he did some walking when you read it. And Joshua was waiting on him. So, what are you saying? When God calls you to do something, oh, you're going to do it. He's going to get your attention. Can I get a witness? Amen. So, the rich should be glad that money means nothing to God because money is easily lost. We find true wealth by developing our spiritual life. That's where the wealth at, in your spiritual life. If you notice when you praise and magnify God and you're going through, you ain't worried about this, you ain't worried about Bill and Wild Bill, none of them, you ain't worried about none of that stuff, why? Because you, there's a spiritual uh, 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 taking taking place in your life because you're in the presence of God. Amen. And when you're in the presence of God, nothing else matters. Amen. It's between you and God. Amen. So, we find true wealth by developing our spiritual life, not by developing our financial system. God is interested in what is lasting which is our souls, not in what is temporary, which is our money possession. It's temporal. If wealth, power, and status mean nothing to God, why do we attribute so much importance to them and so many honor to those who possess them. In other words, he's saying, you bless people, you praise them because they got money, because they in uh, different levels, 
of economics. You say you you respect them and you don't know them. All you know is about their dividends. He said that fades away. He said, I'm concerned about your soul. Does your material possessions give you goals? And has become your only reason for living? Is that your only reason for living is to get rich? You're already rich. Your spiritual life means a lot to God. So, if they were gone, what would be left? Your money, your possessions, and all. What you have in your heart, not your bank account. This was in the heart. Matters to God and endures for eternity. So God say, I'm not worried about your bank account. It could be zero a day, and I can put a, I can put a number in front of the zeros. I can do all of that. He said, but I want to know where your heart at. What good is being rich and you can't spend it? What good is owning a castle and you can't even live in it? What good is riding a brand new BMW with no gas in it? You just sitting there looking clean and cool, but you can't move. Hello, somebody. We look at the material things. And he said, oh, bless me. Lord, it's blessing me. Yeah, but we bless you. You're supposed to keep moving in your blessings. Twelve. Blessed is a man. I'm trying to help you get him out of here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised and that promise again to them that love him so temptation comes from evil desires inside of us that's where temptation comes from and it, but you know the Lord keeps tempting me why would the Lord tempt Lord don't tempt you he tests you you get them words mixed up. Tempt and test. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the, Lord is, the Lord is putting this in front of me. He don't know you putting that in front of me. Because temptation comes from evil desires that's already inside of us. Not from God. It begins with an evil thought and becomes sin when we dwell on the thought and allow it to become an action. That's where the temptation comes in. Like a snowball rolling down the hill of a snow-covered hill. What's happening? It's growing and it's sinning. Sin grows more destructive the more we let it have its way. Oh, yeah. Sin is, is, is vicious. The best time to stop a temptation is before it is too strong or moving too fast to control. That's how you have to stop it. 
It gets thrown off it's so small. And before you, it can grow because if a snowball comes down the hill and you way down here by the time it gets you, it's going to take over you. God's crown of life is not glory and honor here on earth. No, 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 no. But the reward of eternal life living with God forever. The way to be in God's winner's circle is by loving him and staying faithful even under pressure. You ain't got no pressure. You better check out your salvation. You pressure some kind of way. An enemy comes like that. He always bringing temptation. He always throwing fiery darts at your mind to your thoughts so he can try to bring the temptation to grow. But you got to remember that God, listen, God does not tempt us. Now he will test us. That's why when we stand up and testify and preach and teach whatever we say about God, we're going to be tested in it. You're going to be tested in it. I'm going I'm to I'm get saved and I ain't going to say nothing. No, it don't work like that. No, no, God needs some snitches. I say God needs some snitches at the world called rats. Hello, somebody. God needs some, some spiritual snitches that are going to tell people, tell what God is doing. Go tell on God. That's what you do. Go tell on God. Snitch on God. I guarantee you're gonna be a blessing. Can I, you see how you, you gotta see how, how how the world is and how the spirit of God is. It's a difference, people of God. We look at things the wrong way. So let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. So when temptation comes and evil's all around him, that ain't God. That's the devil. He keeps introducing himself in different ways to your conscience, to your mind, to your thoughts. Because that's what the temptation has already in us. And what Satan does, he starts throwing the darts. In other words, there are evil seeds that he throw at us. And we could be upset with somebody else. We always say, you got a bad day, I had a bad month, I had a bad year. You said it, so you got it. Watch what you say. And if you think you're going to say something, just shut up. Don't say nothing. Put your hand on your mouth and ask somebody to put some great tape over it. It'll hold it. It will hold it. So, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away. And that's so true. Of his own lust and entice. Whatever you lust at, when you entice it, it draws you away. And when it draws you away like that, what's going to happen is it's going to get bigger, bigger, and you find yourself manifesting in sin. It grows. You remember when you first started out, you had a little drink. You laughing, Grant. Then you just a weekend warrior on your drink. Then you start picking up say, ready, smoke that, hello, somebody, look, no name for you, no, you but you're, you're walking chimney every time, man, you puff everywhere. Mm. Now your liver's messed up, are you all tricked up? All because of simple fact, it manifested itself. And the devil would talk to you in your afflicted ways. He would rap to you, he would tell you, look, God ain't help you out this long, I'm going to take care of you. 
He will bless you to keep you. I'm talking about Satan. People who live for God often wonder why they still have temptations. Every last one of you wonder that. I'm not gave my life to God. I'm sanctified. I'm family, all that. Why do I still have the temptations? It's already there. Satan, he manifests it. Does God tempt them? God tests people, but he does not tempt them by trying to seduce them to sin. God does not do that. God allows Satan to tempt people. However, in order to refine their faith and help them grow in their dependency on Christ. In other words, God said, when the temptation comes, he said, I'll take you and the temptation and a way of escape. But you got to trust him. You got to trust him, people of God. You got to trust him. So, we can resist the temptation to sin by turning to God for strength and choosing to obey his word. You're going to have to take his word when the temptation use his word and trust him and it keeps you keep moving. The devil ain't going to stop hitting your conscience and throwing thought. He ain't going to stop that. That's his job. And God said, I know he's doing that. He said, but look, that, that, that should bring you closer to me. And you go, that should bring you closer to me. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth death. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. But you're going to be paid. It's going to be life or death. It is easy to blame others, to make excuses for evil thoughts and wrong actions. We use excuses such as it's the other person's fault. I couldn't help it. Everybody's doing it. That's what they say. Everybody's doing it. That's what the church is doing. It was just a mistake. Mm -hmm. Now you wait for delivery. Nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. They use all these excuses. The devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. I was pressured into it. That's what Satan does through his temptation. I was pressured into it. I didn't know it was wrong. If you were taking the scripture, reading his word, you know it was wrong. Or the, or the Holy Spirit will convict you. You know what No, 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 no. He talked to you. Or oh, God is tempting me. And people that don't get teachings, they say that. God drove them to the mountain. I ain't gonna draw you to the mountain. You can't even climb up the valley, so I ain't gonna draw you up there. A person who makes excuses is trying to shift the blame from himself or herself to something or someone else. A believer, on the other hand, accepts responsibilities for his or her wrong confessions and confesses them and asks God for forgiveness. I'll say that again. A person who makes excuses is trying to shift the blame 
from himself or herself to something or someone else. But a believer, on the other hand, accepts responsibilities for his or her wrong confessions and confess them and ask God for forgiveness. Do not error, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from God, is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no verbalness, neither shadow of turning. In my conclusion, of his own will we get he, us, with the word of God. I said get us through the word of God. That we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. By his word, there's power in the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Everything about God revolves around his word and his spirit and his commandments and his love. I hope tonight that this message has helped you. Know that we're having faith and endurance. It's going to take the faith to go through what you're going through. So you have to endure. But you, you can't do it without faith. You got to trust God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God has already built you. You are qualified to endure, to go through, and to be perfected in what God has given you to do. Father, we thank you for this time and this space. We thank you for your hearers. Continue to bless them, strengthen them, encourage their hearts and their minds. I want to be so to give you a name and praise. And the people of God say amen. Amen.